Welcome to That Episode Was. This is Popsicle. We are watching Why the Last Man, the story of the last surviving male human on the planet. Why the Last Man is based on the Vertigo comic series of the same name from writer Brian K. Vaughn and artist Pia Guerra and is currently streaming on FX on Hulu. In this episode, we'll be discussing the first two episodes of the series, The Day Before and Would the World Be Kind, in which we witness the events before and after an apocalyptic event. And no, the world is not very kind. Shocker. Before we go any further, this is your final warning that all of the spoilers are coming your way. So if you haven't watched episodes one and two of Why the Last Man, go do that now, then come right back and join the discussion. I am Claire Thorne. I am your apocalypse-loving cross-stitcher. If I can cross-stitch in the apocalypse, I will do my best. Um, And as always, I am joined by the rest of our illustrious Popsicle team, Lisa K. Weber, who is a co-creator and artist of the amazing comic series, Hex 11. Um, And I don't know if she likes, you know, to be in the apocalypse or not, but we're going to find out. Hi, Lisa. We're about to get to it. Hi. Yeah, we are. Um, and as always, we have Kelly Sumolano as well, who is the other co-creator and the writer of the Hex 11 comic series. Hey, I love the apocalypse as well. It's Excellent. the only way I'll be able to have a zombie flash dance. That, yes, I'm right there with you. We are soul sisters. Yay. Uh, Philip Kelly, who is our fearless producer and uh, responsible for all of the wonderful, funny things, you know, at the front of our our shows um, that we, you know, he thinks we're hilarious um, talking about. So I don't, I don't, I don't make you guys say funny things. I just move them around. I just move them around. And I just realized I waved at everybody uh, when. That's well. That's good. You're a friendly person, Philip. Uh, Philip is a writer, an actor, a TikTok dancer, all of the other things, and we love him to death. And finally, um, last but not least, we have Justin Peniston, the uh, creator of the hard-boiled comic web comic Hunter Black, a writer on Sonic Prime, and you know, just our lovely person. Hi, Justin. You're on mute. mute. (laughs) And also, also, he's on mute. (laughs) I am y'all's lovely person. Um, And this has been the weirdest use of the expression soul sisters that I've heard in a while. But you know. Yeah, that we love the apocalypse. Well, we we use that that differently in my family. That's all I'm saying. But yes. (laughs) (laughs) There are no zombie flash mobs happening. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, well, guys, let's let's dive right in because we've got two episodes to cover here. These are the first two episodes of the series, so you know they. I think these first two episodes spend most of their time setting up the events um, immediately before and after the event, which is the death, the very bloody, bloody, messy death of every mammal with a Y chromosome. And then we end up, we jump ahead. And by the time we're at the end of the second episode, we've jumped ahead um, or we've progressed ahead nearly or 63 days, it would appear. Um, so we have a number of different character threads. And I thought maybe we would um, try to tackle all of those. They overlap, of course, because we can never have one of these stories with, you know, without everybody being interconnected by like a little spider web. Um, I'm interested to hear everyone's thoughts on these characters. I'm going to walk us through the highlights of the story and we're going to discuss along the way. And I thought we'd kind of do it geographically. Um, so let's start in New York city, uh, where we meet the titular Y Yorick Brown, um, and his sister hero Brown. And of course, you know, starting with Yorick, we, we don't meet Yorick. We don't get any Yorick at all without also having ampersand the amazing capuchin monkey um as well so when we meet york brown we discover he is 
He is a self-professed escape artist, um, magician extraordinaire. He's teaching magic, which seems like a perfectly legitimate job. Um, totally. He is financially unstable, which I'm sure is not at all related to the fact that he's teaching magic for a living um, and trying to develop this show, magic show. Um, he's attempting to propose to his girlfriend and then attempting to find his girlfriend in the aftermath. Um, I'm going to turn to Justin, I think, first, because Justin, I feel, is, you know, my uh, one of the other resident um, Why the Last Man um, experts, perhaps. I'm not going to call myself an expert, though, either. So, but I'm going well, to turn to Justin first. I've read the series a few times now. Um, I don't know if I'd call myself an expert, but I'm definitely a fan. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say that Yorick, as he is presented here, is very much in the vein of Yorick from the comics. Um, he's naive, he's a bit feckless, you know, you can't I imagine this guy. I love that word, feckless. What a I love word. that word I love too. That. I was just getting ready to say that, feckless. Wow. <laughs> That's um, such a good sounding word. He, uh, you know, you, you get the impression that he can barely take care of himself pre-apocalypse. <laughs> so how can we possibly imagine him surviving during an apocalypse? Um, and that's that's spot on. Um, the big, big difference in his introduction is that Beth is actually there, whereas in the comics, she's already in Australia. Um, but uh, I think that suits the story a little bit better. And I think it adds a sense of urgency because he thinks he can find her, you know, and it makes the the, the search for her a little more, I don't know, it raises the stakes of that search in a way, you know, as opposed to going to, you know, to find the Wizard of Oz. The wizard is somewhere around here, so I have to look frantically now, you know. Um, so I think that's pretty good. Uh, and Hero is, Hero is one of my favorite characters from the, the comic. I think she's tremendous. And they seem to be starting her off here really interestingly. Um, again, her introduction is pretty spot on to the comic with one big exception, you know, in the comic, you know, the, her partner who she's having an affair with, he just dies. He dies like every other man here. She oh. fucking kills him first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. oh, wow. I actually, and like, I actually, I loved that change. Like it's a I, brilliant change. I agree. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, wow. Like juicy. Oh yeah. yeah, like actually, literally juicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But There's so that, much think, juicy in this episode. Like, it's yeah. mm -hmm. it, I, for the audience. I don't think they have to do. There's not as much heavy lifting required now to mm -hmm. say, "Oh no, hero is troubled." Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like the audience is like, "Oh, she's fucked up." Like this girl's yeah. already fucked up. You know, she was uh -huh. fucked up, and she will continue to be more fucked up. And well, we have to yeah. back up a little bit because I will. I will honestly say, in the early, in the first scenes with her, where we see her in her meeting, which I believe mm. is just a straightforward AA meeting, it mm. sounds like. But the guy talking was just talking about doing sex stuff, and I thought, oh my god, did they have hero well, that was some for kind sure. of sex yeah. addicts? Meeting? Yeah, I think it was. That was for sure a slaw meeting. meeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was well, great. But it was a meeting for the meeting was she it was a court mandated meeting mm -hmm. because she got a DUI. For DUI. DUI. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's so just AA. Yeah. Okay. I think I think he was talking about the things he would do in order to get to his <laughs> drink or drug of choice. Yeah, yeah, that's what sure. I felt too. Yeah. Or the things he would do when he was on his drink or drug of choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was, it threw Listen, addictions, all, all of these addictions are pretty well related. I mean, addiction is. <laughs> yeah. I agree though, that change is absolutely brilliant. And the trying to, most of my mental time after the episode was over was my trying to work out how that's going to affect her and what that, what it means for her to effectively get away with this act but she's not inside and it, it's a very interesting psychological issue. Of yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. They're setting themselves up for like a lot of interesting kind of little moments mm -hmm. and arcs based on that change, which, and mm -hmm. so I, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I, I mean, I'm not really like looking ahead. I mean, I, I am also a reader of the comics. Yes. I've only read the comic series once 
Um, so I am not an expert and I read it, I think maybe like six or seven years ago. So it's like, I know generally what's coming down the line. Um, and I'm also going to be real honest here. I'm not the biggest fan of apocalypse stories, though. I love the comic series. Mm. If we hadn't decided to do this podcast, I probably wouldn't have watched the show. Um, and it's, it's precisely the moment at the end of episode one, where the woman is in the street holding her son and screaming. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, I was like crying and I was like, this is exactly what I did not want to see. But mm-hmm. of course there's no getting to the story without seeing that moment. Totally. Um, so I'll just start by saying that, but now here we are <laughs> watching this apocalypse show. I'm committed and I will keep on watching it and keep on feeling very upset by everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I will agree with what Justin said. I think yeah. that, um, I think Yorick as a character, like in the comics and also so far as we've seen in these first two episodes, um, I think he's actually like perfect, like the perfect kind of character to kind of like take us through this because he's not always serious because he can provide moments of levity. Um, And like he can, he can be in this insane situation in such a relatable way to the viewer Mm -hmm. or the reader. Um, I've always liked that about the character of Yorick. And I think that that's very in keeping so far on the show. Um, and, um, yeah, Hero, I, um, yeah, I, I, I love her as well. Um, Olivia Thirlby, I, it took me a minute to be like, wait, why do I know her? (laughs) And then I realized she's in dread. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I'm so glad to see more of her. (laughs) Um, and yeah, just as far as her character goes, I can't wait to see more, um, Mm -hmm. of like how, of her whole kind of progress and journey. Um, and, um, as far as Beth Yorick's maybe girlfriend, maybe fiance, she was already, (laughs) she was already not that likable in the comic series. But in the show, oh man, I really didn't like her. Like the way she ate was so fucking annoying. And I was just like, I do not like this woman. Like I really don't like her. With you just to be on the same side. (laughs) So these are just my first impressions. These these are my first impressions of the New York characters. (laughs) Philip, Um, you. you, Oh, oh, go go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, Kelly. Go to Phil. Okay, I'm going to Philip. Right. Um, Philip, you're you're the one and only who hasn't yeah. read the graphic novel. How did all of these events strike, or meeting um, this character in particular? How did he strike you? You know, I really the first episode uh, really grabbed me. Like it did a really great job presenting the characters in a in an interesting way. The the magician stuff, his his cursing around the kid was was great. Um, his sort of attitude, I really liked a lot. Uh, uh, the the writing, especially between the, the brother-sister scene, I had a flashback to the Sandman to when uh, Death and Sandman are first talking. I don't know why. Maybe it's the New York setting and stuff like that. Um, but uh, their conversation was really wonderful and full of different colors and layers and very varied. Um, so yeah, the, the first episode with these two characters especially really grabbed me. Um, I... I feel like this it suffers a little bit from like independence day syndrome where like the first half hour leading up to the event you have to make so interesting because then everything is blows up like you have this you you need a quick build up and i felt that and then after the event i felt like the next the second episode kind of was a little i don't know unfocused i didn't feel the characters voices as much it felt very uh, TV apocalypse tropey a little bit where they kind of, you know, they're all sort of wandering around and, and doing things you would expect doing an apocalypse show as opposed to doing what maybe these characters would do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've seen the situation so many times in TV shows and movies. It, it didn't, once it happened, it didn't feel like these characters were really driving 
the scenarios you know he's looking for his uh girlfriend he's looking for beth she's upset it didn't really do much beyond that after the with the characters like i didn't feel who they were once the apocalypse happened necessarily i felt the apocalypse you mean like an episode them. like an episode, episode two in episode two I felt, yeah, I felt like episode two more was more about like, not so much about the characters yeah. as much as it was about, this is the world we're in now. Yeah, exactly. Like, the moment in the dry cleaners, oh, mm -hmm. fucking loved that. That was a, yeah. Um, yeah. and that was such a great illustration of like a small, like, like mm -hmm. moment and a small little piece of like where we are now. Sure. And mm -hmm. um, to me, I that was that's the best what... moment in the episode. Yeah, because his yeah, character, same. his character really supplies the it interesting. Yeah, it came out, and that's that's what I felt needed, and we needed to see the apocalypse through the character's point of view, rather than the apocalypse with characters wandering around in it in the second. That would have kept my interest a little more in the second episode, I think. But otherwise, so far, I do like the characters quite a bit in the first Kelly two episodes. Kelly Sue. Mm. Um. I think that I, like Lisa, I read the comic series once, um, and this was over 10 years ago, probably. But one thing that I do remember from the comic that I feel like they really nailed in this first episode was the impending sense of dread. Just, it's hard to pull off, especially when we know what's coming, like, even if you've never read the book, you know that this is an apocalyptic show, something terrible is about to happen. Um, and even though I knew that, I was still like, all of the um, the ways that they introduced everybody and the ways that they introduced, introduced, with the exception of Yorick, all of the women's relationships to the men in their lives mm -hmm. was stunning. Mm. it yeah. blew my mind and I was like y'all are some professionals <laughs> <laughs> totally um, yeah and as they were introducing Yorick again I had a really similar I was reminded so much of the of first reading it but now you know 10 years later and the person I am being like of course this is the fucking last dude on earth totally <laughs> <laughs> you know he's, yeah he's a magician and <laughs> I mean, what else do I really need to say about that? Do you know, like this is, it's so perfect. Um, and I, you know, I also had these little, these little pings during the first episode being like, how the hell is some wannabe magician living in this fucking apartment? <laughs> and then that's well, before, yeah. of course, Yeah. Mm -hmm. as you're watching it as though I don't know anything about it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, it's just even better. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah Even totally fucking better do you know um and the whole thing with the proposal and the sort of like the sense of entitlement underneath that like I have nothing to offer this woman but I'm gonna ask her to marry me like it all of it was so it was handled so just so well like they created so much respect for a bunch of characters that off the cuff you would be like so lame <laughs> you know I loved the introduction to hero I absolutely loved the addition of the murdering of the lover yeah um mm. so much so that I was like oh, watching it like, <laughs> yeah yeah and then I'm like this girl you about to be kissed by an angel <laughs> <laughs> oh, in a goodness. really weird way so yeah, I love, and I love what they're doing with her. I love the, I love the trajectory of her story in these first two episodes, but to, to um, everyone else's point, the first episode was so in your face and so like put a fine point on it. And then the next episode really was a, like a, a um, kind of like disorienting zoom out mm -hmm. to everything that's going on. Um, do you think it yeah, helped, helped or hurt that they dropped both of these episodes together? Because, you know, we, I don't know if everybody else did this, but in my house, we watched them back to back. Yeah, I did too. Of course. So it felt more like a movie, I think in that sense, to Philip's point that where yeah. you have all this stuff up front and uh -huh. then it drops off, but it feels like it's all part of one 
long yeah. narrative. Yeah. I loved so, it. I think the only what the only place where it may have hurt them is that um they're to my to my eyes, and I, you know, this is just like my opinion, man. Um the <laughs> The, the the pacing ended up not being consistent mm -hmm. between the two episodes sure. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah that's fair. But other than that, fantastic. Mm -hmm. I also like you were when you were talking about like the um like the building of like respect for all the characters and everything that yeah. includes all the male characters that we met. Like 100%. there was no male character that we met that was like that according to our kind of like Western entertainment consumption eyes mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. deserved mm -hmm. to die like they were no. all just people living in this world and mm -hmm. very recognizable people to us yeah and yeah it, like there were flaws but no there were no like it was it was oh, yeah so it was devastating to lose every character yeah. oh my god you know? well, I think it's, I think oh, it's sorry, really really ahead, interesting um, being a connoisseur of apocalypse <laughs> tales. Um, I think it's very, very interesting with this one that it's kind of unique in, in the sense that we know who's going to die. We don't, most of, mm -hmm. you know, most of these like episode one, we would be spent meeting characters and wonder and having the tension of wondering, is this a character who dies? Is this not a character who mm -hmm. dies? And I think even audiences who haven't read the comic series, or I mean, if you read the title of the show, you can kind of intuit <laughs> all these dudes are going to be mm -hmm. gone by the end of the episode or closely thereafter. And that was an interesting experience for me. Yeah. Meeting all of these characters and men, not only just thinking about them in terms of, of like, they're all the same gender and what that means, but also mm -hmm. just, I'm meeting this guy and he's, he's going to go, he's going to, you know, Mm -hmm. I only get him for a few seconds. That was, that was an interesting thing. Um, yeah. I want to take us before we uh, spend too much time um, on all of this. I want to take us to the other characters though. Um, so Ooh. let's head to Washington, DC. There's a lot of like Lisa was talking, or I think it was Kelly Sue talking about meeting all of these women and how great it was to see them in relationship to the men in their lives. We have a lot of characters in Washington, DC, and I'm going to run through them really quickly. Um, we, of course, have Senator, uh, then eventually President Jennifer Brown, who's played by the amazing Diane Lane, who I love oh. everything always. We have her aide, Christine Flores. Um, Nora Brady, played by Marin Ireland, who I also love very much, who mm -hmm. you know is this aide to the, the president um, before he um, bleeds to death. Oh, anyway, sorry, yeah. that whole scene. <laughs> I think he, he just dies to death. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just yes. dies to death. Yeah. Um, and then we have Kimberly Campbell Cunningham, which is one of the greatest three name names that, <laughs> and played by the lovely Amber Tamblin, who comes from my general hospital back in the day when I was, you know, like, I just love her as well. Oh, shit. P playing the dead president's <laughs> daughter, who is the author of a, like, you know, how to be a submissive wife, conservative kind of book. Um, and I actually, honestly, and I'll start us off on this, this conversation, just in terms of like her, she was the source of the most tension for me, I think in this, the, these episodes solely because, you know, she, I want to loathe her right from the beginning based on like who her character is, but then they show us her with her, all of these little, all of her sons running around. And so you're immediately <laughs> yanked right back to feeling so bad. Like you, you understand that for her out of all of the characters, like I'm going to be feeling the most just lingering angst for her position and what she's oh gone through. It's just horrifying. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. What are you, what, what is everyone's impressions of these women? Um, Philip, I'm going to turn to you, I think, first. Well, I mean, yeah, like uh, Kimberly Campbell Cunningham is, uh, yeah, really uh, an interesting character. Uh, she made me very uncomfortable a lot of times she was in the room, but at the same time, she just lost three of her boys, all her boys, and all her, all her focus is on her boys. That's like, uh, yeah, that's fucking rough. <laughs> um, so it's, 
it's easy to hate her, but yet hard to hate her at the same time. Um, the, uh, I mean, Diane Lane, I mean, Diane Lane is just Diane Lane. Uh, and anything she does to me is pretty brilliant. Uh, I do like, I do like the character a lot and I do like where they're going with those two characters together quite a bit. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The Jennifer Brown character is in one of those positions where she's obviously doing all the right things at the same time. She's making a few big mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, well, for the right reasons, I, I feel. Um, but, uh, that puts her in a really tough spot. I the, the way they're kind Maybe of more echo- specific. What do you what do you think she's doing that are mistakes? Um, Not that I'm saying you're wrong. Just that I'm yeah yeah yeah. Uh, well, that might. But be he's more looking episodes. for where you're wrong. You can. Tell. Yeah. No no no. I, 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 honestly, all I'm thinking is that people are listening, and that's a yeah, yeah. that's a kind of oblique reference. You know. That might be episode three talk actually. Um, mm. uh, ah, actually, oh, okay. so sorry. Yeah, I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit. Um, just Fair. a titch. Um, but yeah, like she's doing all the right things. She's being all the right presidential things that you need to be in a situation like this. And it's, uh, they're doing a really good job. I don't know what the focus of was in the comic book. They're, they're really mirroring the world very well with these characters and the tensions that we're uh, uh, going through right now while also still imbuing the characters with some real personality. So it's a nice mix of the two worlds, you know? Um, uh, little moments like the... The manicure beat was really wonderful. Uh, go get your nails done. Uh, and then that sort of Hillary Clinton parallel with they've been tearing her apart for 20 years. You need to be perfect or else. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that, really, you watch and you're like, this is um, really observant social commentary they're throwing in, like sprinkling in here and there uh, around the story. So I, I appreciate all of that. And um, yeah, yeah, so far, so good. So far, so good with these characters, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll echo everyone's fandom of Diane Lane. I mean, listen, she's a national treasure, and um, she's <laughs> she's great in this. I mean, of course, um, and yeah, I, I mean, uh, with a lot of the DC characters, I'm just like my first impressions aren't really more than just like just I'm I'm just going to observe where they go and have more thoughts and opinions as we go um as the most expert Justin Kimberly Campbell Cunningham is not in the comics is there a correlating character in that okay um of the character, the DC characters that Claire has listed, um, only Jennifer Brown, as far as I know, appears in the comics. Okay, um, I think I know. Yeah. I it's like I mean, for the comics readers, I think I know which character Nora will become, but I, I'm I, not sure. I'm, I'm there um, with you too, but something of the background is a little wrong. So yes, I, I, yeah. You know, so we'll see. So yeah, but, we'll see. Yes, I hear you. Um, sorry, as to we be, delegate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as we delicately tiptoe around spoilers we don't want to tell um, Philip about. But I, I'll say uh-huh. about like the addition of then I, I just want to be sure that it's the addition of Kimberly Campbell Cunningham. For sure. Which is funny because mm-hmm. my sister-in-law's maiden name is Kim Cunningham. So that's weird. I just realized that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought that um, the addition of that kind of character is absolutely perfect. And it's absolutely like, it's um, a perspective and a voice that should be on this show, that should mm-hmm. be yeah. in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, because have, because it, even that- though it's like, she's not, you know, she's conservative and none of us are, none of us here are conservative. Like none of us identify with a lot of her views. But like you were saying, Claire, it's like, she's so sympathetic. Like you can't not feel sympathy for what has just happened to her Mm -hmm. that it's like, and I think that's super important in, in, in our world, in our real world too, that it's like, that we look at people we disagree with, with sympathy and empathy. And so I think that I, I'm, I'm very glad that a character like this exists on the show right now it does feel like they very much constructed a world that feels like it came right up to our point with covid 
right? Mm -hmm. Because they've mentioned things. And again, I'm probably speaking a little bit in uh, about events that are in uh, the third episode as well, but they, they mentioned things like the existence of anti-vaxxers and um, a variety of other little things um, that help, I think, make the show feel very, very like of present day. So, all right, well, we are going to pause very briefly and return to this discussion. So stay with us. Um, all right. So continuing on, I, I'm going to uh, turn to Justin and Kelly Sue um, next. Before I do that, I just want to say that I think that out of this group of women in Washington, D.C., the two characters that I feel like I have the least handle on in terms of understanding them, knowing them, um, knowing what their motivations are, um, I think are Christine Flores, um, President Brown's aide. Um, I'm not really quite sure. You know, I feel like they're setting her up for some kind of story arc, but I don't really quite I understand where she's going to be going, I don't think. And then it's likely that the show's just not gotten there yet. Um, but then Nora Brady as well. I'm not sure I have her really figured out yet. She, I, I'm just, I'm not sure what her main source of angst is, if that makes sense. Um, and I, you know, I just throw that out there if, if anyone wants to address it. They may, if you don't, you know. I, uh, I'm i going to jump in just because all of these characters, these three characters are so new. Um, and, but they, they all have an interesting function that in some ways that really helps the show, but in some ways hurts the narrative to me. And that's, you know, um, first of all, as far as Christine Flores played by Jess Salguero or Salguero, um, I just keep expecting her to get killed by Amos any minute. Um, (laughs) You know, because as soon as I saw her, I was like, yes, for the expanse, you know? Um, Yep. um, (laughs) And I I agree that I don't see her story yet. I don't see why she rates as much screen time as she's thus far got. Um, Although that scene with her on the date and she and her date having to climb up on the car Mm -hmm. with all the, Mm -hmm. the horse and the, pretty great yeah it it was to me that was the the eeriest part of the Mm buildup um but that could have been with any character it didn't you know like that moment is thus far her the only thing she's got beyond helping to define senator Mm -hmm. or congresswoman brown she's a congresswoman um what you call it congresswoman later president brown yes um nora brady to me Mm -hmm is showing us something that we don't really get. In the comic, we get this in lots of little characters that don't get much you know, page time. Mm-hmm. And that's showing people who fucking break under the pressure of the apocalypse. That's what I'm seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Like when I saw her, and I know this, again, this probably happens in episode three, mm-hmm. but when she just throws yeah. that pot to the ground yeah. for no damn reason, you know, you're just like, oh, she's losing it, she's losing it. <laughs> um, and so I'm wondering if that's the point of this character to show someone, you know, really suffering under the weight of the yeah. apocalypse in a way that no other characters are, you know, no, none of the big characters in the storyline. And I'm curious to see mm-hmm. because of all the characters, she's by far the farthest from Yorick, you know? Yeah. And so uh, like, I'm intrigued to see how that pays off because it needs mm-hmm. to, you know? Well, we know we, I at least would assume that we can expect that all of that uh, little moment with the firearms and the the gun range when she's with the president, that seemed like a lot of very specific foreshadowing about events coming. Did it, coming did it seem like her. maybe it was a little bit of just a little bit, right? Like maybe, maybe that's it also mean felt something. very character defining yet because mm-hmm. it said she yeah. wasn't ready. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. Um, Am, am I the only one? Because I didn't make this connection until I heard someone actually say Kimberly Campbell Cunningham out loud. That K- it's K-K-K. K-K-K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my I, God. Yeah, I caught yeah, that right away. <laughs> three hard C sounds. I didn't catch that until yeah. until you said her name. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. I, I was didn't... Like, they, they are definitely going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Um, now for her, she represents a kind of woman who 
was has always been there, but we didn't really call out 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. when the comic was coming out. And, you know, she's like, we're like, we got to put a Karen in here. We got to put Karen mm-hmm. in this yeah. show. And why not make Karen as dangerous as she is in real life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we make her a person of political influence. Um, she is... My only problem with her right now is that she's such a villain. Like you guys, everyone's finding sympathy for her uh, in regards to her kids. And I haven't felt that yet. I felt it when we first see her kids. I felt it before the apocalypse, you know, but since I haven't seen, and don't get me wrong, I'm kind of impressed they're showing her as, you know, moving forward despite what's happened. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think I would feel more for this character if I saw just a little bit of the weight on her as a result. You know what I mean? Like if she had shed a tear or if she had, I, I don't know, like I, I, I want her to uh, break down, mourn, not necessarily break down, mourn. Do you know what I mean? Like even if she shed a tear that she quickly wiped away and kept going, you know what I mean? Um, I think we get a little small moment when she is It's small. In Again, the I think it's in the third so- episode. Is yes, it it's. I think episode? it's episode three that we get that moment. Oh, she's talking okay. to the other Republican wife. No, yeah. no, I'm talking about when she um, is in the hallway, and all the kids are running by. Like she's on her way. She's walking through the building, oh, and mm-hmm. she's in the hallway, and she sees the kids, mm-hmm. and kind of um, has a little bit of a freakout where she, you know, just isn't able to go forward for a little while. Um, and it's clear that the sound of kids is really affecting that, that might've yeah. blown past me. Cause there are a couple of moments when, <laughs> when my wife and I, my wife, cause my wife watched the first two episodes with me and she was like, yeah, this sucks. I'm out. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and we might've been, I was like, are you serious? You're not going to even give it a chance. Got to give it some time. And, you know, so that might've been happening when that happened. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> um, Kelly Sue. I have so much to say about all of this. Um, I mean, I really, everybody has pretty much said all the things that I've felt about, I mean, Diane Lane, please. I want her to be the president now. I I didn't say Um, anything about Diane Lane. Let me just say, she is good enough to be mother, Superman's mother. She's good Martha. enough for it to be the president. You know what I'm saying? She's totally the up. best thing about those movies. Martha. Martha. <laughs> Martha. She's amazing. Um, and Jess Salguero, I, my heart goes out to her because if she's not getting murdered by the guy she's sleeping with, she's <laughs> out on a date where there's bunches of rats and wild horses or she's getting fucking run over by a superhero on accident. Like, girl, <laughs> my heart goes out to you. You're amazing. Um, So excited to see more of Nora Brady. So excited for more of her arc. I think it's like uh, Justin was saying, I totally agree with that, that this is a picture of someone who isn't necessarily in dire straits yet, but also isn't up at the top. She's part of this sort of like forgotten where I think we're all feeling in our own lives, where it's like, so are we just all supposed to act like everything's normal and just keep having to-do lists and figuring out how we're going to manage all of this? I think it's a really, really interesting, um, just a really interesting character and uh, experience to be setting up. And then Amber Tamblin, her performance has blown me away in these first three episodes. Um, The review in Time described her as playing all the way against type. Um, And not a lot of people can do that successfully. And man, she's nailing it. Um, And I think that the, uh, you know, just to add on to what everyone has already said about this character, I think that aside from the timeliness of it, the fact that we need a Karen in this timeline, all of that, I think that there is some interesting conversations going on in the show when you position a character like this as a lead 
because she represents generations of women whose lives are defined by men. Her life is her son's. Her life is her husband and her role as a wife. Her entire life is being her father's daughter. Her identity is the men in her life. And that is the case for many women, you know, like she is a caricature, right? This is real for a lot of women. And for a woman like that to be in a world without men, I mean, wow. It's going to add such an important narrative and something that we don't get to see often because we're over here so used to being like, she wrote a book called Boy Mom? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) No offense to boy moms. I can say this because I'm one of them. So it's clear. Yeah, I am. So I think that I was just like, wow, that is so fucking smart. Yeah, it's a very interesting. And like I said, I... I have been watching Amber Tamblyn since she was on General Hospital and she played, she, her, you know, very easily has been typecast as the like good girl, the sweet, you know, supportive, very smart, you know, good girl. And I love seeing her get this, this. I have not heard the words of General Hospital and I don't know how long. (laughs) I I am, I am still an avid watcher and that's something we can all discuss. Um, that part of my psyche, uh, psyche, we can discuss that. Look out for popsicle season five, general hospital. hospital. (laughs) My problem is I turned off the TV after one life to live. I never got to watch. I never watched general hospital. So I don't know. One life to live is also in my wheelhouse (laughs) and and that show gave us Nathan Fillion. So you can't, uh, yeah, you can't discredit that either. I can go down a soap opera rabbit hole. Oh, you and me, Kelly Sue, uh, sideline, um, a little later. Okay. Well, I, we need to wrap up, um, and go to the one character who seems to be able to get around. Right. Um, and we've been holding off. Um, so we are, we, we go to Oklahoma to meet her and boy, what a meeting it is. Um, and I'm speaking of course, of agent 355 played by the delightful Ashley Romans. um, I don't think I am familiar with but I feel like I've known her my whole life right now, or at least I want to have. Ashley Romans, um, you are my queen. Like oh. seriously, oh, man, I'm obsessed. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and of course I knew who we were, you know, I knew who this character was. And so the opening scene where she's, you know, apparently the girlfriend of some skeevy guy in the middle of Oklahoma. And I'm like, what on earth are we doing right now? And then mm-hmm. it immediately becomes clear. Oh, that's what we're doing. Um, blowing up some white supremacists in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. which is delightful. Um, she, she heads to Washington DC just in time to watch everybody, all the men melt. And, uh, then, you know, is assigned to go find hero. Um, but comes back with Yorick of course, instead. Uh, so agent 355 guys, how, how much do we love her not to influence you or lead your conversation in any way whatsoever, but (laughs) I mean, first of all, is there anybody here who didn't love her (laughs) silence? Because of course we all fucking loved her. Exactly. If anybody comes to me and is like, well, it's going to be a real swift. I mean, I honestly think that she and and Ben Schnetzer playing Yorick Brown, like they are not perfect representations of the characters in the comics, but I think mm-hmm. they're perfect representations of the characters for the show. Yeah, you know, right. I think yeah. those two in particular, we are getting some expanse level quality totally casting, mm-hmm. marriage of actor and character. Yeah, um, which is good because you know without a doubt those are the two most important characters from the comic mm-hmm. um so i'm super pleased about that um her vibe is different than 355 from the comics mm-hmm. you know 355 is a little softer mm-hmm. in some ways but also like less less manipulative 
Mm-hmm. You know, 355 in the comics is a little bit more like, I'm going to hit you now, you know? Yeah. And 355 here is like, mm-hmm, I'm going to blow you up as soon as I, you know, before, mm-hmm. you know, while you're having your meeting. The like, 355 of the comics reminded me at the time of more of like a Michonne kind of character almost from The Walking Dead. And I didn't get any of that in this uh, representation of her. I totally agree with you, Justin. And also like, she is, the, the performance reminds me of women that I know and have known. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like she is, mm-hmm. she's this badass super spy, which I've never met a badass super spy that I'm aware of. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they're good at it. And you yet, would never know. That's the point. Right. Yeah. She's still, she seems like an every, you know, she's, 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 she's women I know. And I really mm. dig that quality about her performance. And I really hope this makes Ashley Romans a star because she's great. Yeah. I love yeah. that they give her 355 these quiet moments of like in when she goes back and is kind of re outfitting herself for her, her transition to Washington, DC. But you get this sense of like the, there's this just slight undertone of the exhaustion of living the life that she's living and having to switch up identities. And then the scene where she goes back to like the headquarters and, and sees that her coworkers as she's expected, but clearly hoping to not find them dead, but she finds them dead and is going through. And I think realizing that she's now on her own, she's, you know, making that decision. Am I going to continue this work you know, like all, pretty much anybody would have at this moment, this, this opportunity to say, well, I could just go do, I could be something different now. Things are different. Um, it, I think those are really, really nice moments and she plays them so, so well. Um, Philip, what is, what are your impressions of agent 355? Oh, I mean, uh, coming into this, having no idea exactly who the character was, uh, that was a fantastic introduction. And still, after it happens, you're still not sure who she is because you go to the, the presidents and they're like, yeah, a bunch of, uh, you know, th- these people blew themselves up. And you're like, well, I, I still didn't quite know who she was working for or what was exactly. You know, so it was really like hers so far, at least her introduction in the first episode was the most intriguing to follow because you're finding stuff out about her as it just opposed to being presented with her reality right away. Um, and I think as we go, we'll probably be presented with more stuff, which is great. Um, I like her super spy element where she's not going to be straightforward and upfront with you, but she's going to smile with one side and, and uh, draw a knife with the other side. I, I love that. I think that's great for a super spy to be able to do that. Um, I mean, yeah, she was amazing. She's go- so good as a character into slipping into different roles, yeah. being the girlfriend, being the, like, I, she just, she, it, she it makes her unreliable in a way, like where you have to kind of constantly question, okay, am I getting the real 355 in this mm-hmm. moment? I like that she's just like, sure. yeah. she's like, oh, you can call me Sarah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you my real name. Are you kidding me? Yeah, when the president <laughs> asks her. I, yeah, it's pretty great. Absolutely. Lisa. Oh, I mean, I, I, I can really, I just, everybody said everything. Um, I think, I, I think Ashley Romans is like fucking incredible. Um, I've, I, I also hope to see a lot more of her in everything from now on, because it is clear that she has got the goods as far as acting goes, because um, I, I pretty much, in just a few scenes had like such a even though she's all like hard badass spy I had such a like immediate like soft place in my heart for her just based on like the few scenes you talked about Claire that it's like these little extra kind of moments where we're kind of focusing in on her um experience and you can kind of see the thoughts and feelings play out just in really super subtle ways in her movements and in her face. And so, yeah, that's, that's, I, I, I'm excited to spend more time with her. Absolutely. Not for nothing, just so it's out there. Her introduction is by far the most divergent of any character's introduction from the comic. Like what she's doing in the comic in the first issue 
bears little, almost zero resemblance to what she's doing here. Um, and I think that this is better for mm -hmm. the story mm -hmm. they're telling. It feels far. updated again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Kelly Sue. Um, amazing. I mean, y'all have said all of the things. She was incredible. Uh, if I could pull one of my favorite moments, I think this is episode two, maybe, <laughs> I hope, <laughs> um, is when Kim Cunningham invites her to like play cards or something. Mm. And instantly you see her being like, bitch, are you for real? <laughs> Pretty sure that's episode three. I think great. it is yeah. episode three. So. Yeah. yeah. It's still great though. It's <laughs> a <laughs> teaser. Yes, teaser. It is a fantastic though. moment. Yeah. It, it, it is, uh, it's a example of what I love about following this character, which is like, it's almost like pure reactions to the truth of who everybody is at every point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's, what I have to add to all of the things about her that are already badass. Excellent. Which it's that scene mm. says without ever using these words, it says, Oh, you're a threat to my boss. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I got from her. Totally. And that's to pull that off. I mean, that's, that's requires some subtlety and nuance in your performance. Oh, yeah. And yeah, she killed that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we are drawing to the end of our time. I want to get, before we uh, leave our discussion completely, I want to get a hot take. So quick yay or nay, were you, were you convinced? Were you not convinced? A um, little bit of trivia, Ampersand, our little buddy Ampersand, was originally to be played by Katie, uh, the capuchin monkey who played Marcel in Friends. Um, but, you know, why the last man took a long time it's to a get- a long lifespan. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, yeah. To get produced. And by the time they really got around to doing it, I think Disney, I've read a couple of different accounts. One that, you know, they, it just was taking too long to get done. And I think Disney also kind of came to a decision that they didn't want to have, you know, deal with animals. Um, and having a monkey, you know, an actual animal performing this role. So- um, our friend Ampersand is in CGI. I don't know if that's the exact right tech uh, terminology, but it is entirely a computer-generated monkey um, created by ILM. And I was kind of dumbfounded by that because I didn't read about that until after the first two episodes. And I'm not sure. My hot take is I can't tell that's not a freaking real mon monkey. Um, and I'm wondering if, if this was something noticeable to anyone um, so just some quick yays or nays. Did this work for you? Is it? I definitely you... noticed from the very first shot that it was a CGI monkey. Mm. Our, um, artist, but... our art resident artist expert <laughs> is, yes. <laughs> but I will say that by the end of the second episode, I had forgotten. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it, 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 it all kind of works very, it ends up working very seamlessly and, you know, ethical treatment of animals. So 100%. go ahead and do the CGI. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Agreed. Anybody Agreed. else have a different I, I was completely fooled by it. I guess that's the only other different take. I was, I'm completely sold I, on Ampersand. I, I knew beforehand that I was going to be a CG monkey. Mm. And so I think I noticed things early on. But again, you know, once I was like, yeah, okay, it's CG. And I, you know, and I let that thought go. Then I stopped. It, it, it's not noticeable mm -hmm. in the way that it's, it's not distracting. I'll put it that right. way. Totally. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as the CG animals from his dark materials. No. Oh. All right. That's, you know, but, but it's close. Excellent. Well, we will be seeing more of him. Um, so this brings us to uh, the title of our, this podcast series. That episode was um, a one word answer, guys. What, how was that? What, that episode was, Philip? Uh, first episode was uh, invigorating. Second episode was languid. Languid. That's almost as good as feckless. Maybe not quite. Lisa. Um, uh, these episodes were bleak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to try to convert you into an apocalypse lover. I don't think we'll succeed, but we're going to try with this. Uh, Justin. Episode one was refreshing. Ooh. Episode two was torpid. Torpid. I 
felt like I had to dig out my thesaurus. After We're really going to go with the thesaurus adjectives. It's delightful. Kelly Sue. Justin makes me want to just be like, that episode was cool. <laughs> um, episode one was inspired. Episode two was mysterious. Oh. And I'm just going to have one word for both episodes because they fit together pretty well for me. And I'm just going to say that episode was intriguing. I'm, I am, my curiosity is peaked, even though I know the story. So there we go. Um, if Lisa is ready, I'm going to hand things off to her because we love to give our audience, you know, recommendations about other things that we love that the story has inspired for us. Um, so I would like to hear from Lisa. What, what other um, apocalypse things do you love? <laughs> as a such um, a lover not, of apocalypse um, stories. So my recommendation is not apocalypse related, but it is, um, it does involve, you know, the politics of gender in our world. So if you're ready to feel angry about all of that stuff, but also <laughs> be entertained by really top-notch drama, um, I am recommending The Morning Show on Apple oh, Plus um, with classic. Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. I love You cleared show. me like three episodes early. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I swear to God, I just finished watching the first season today. Wow. I'm finished. I, I'd like, so I just started last week with, um, like, I, I knew I was going to like this show, like the first time I saw an ad for it, but it was just like, I'm going to put it off and put it off and put it off. And then finally, like, I think because they're like promoting that season two is coming on Friday. So mm -hmm. actually the day this airs season two will be, well, the first episode of season two will be up. Um, and so it's like, okay, let's do it. And instantly, oh, love it. I love it. Love it. Love totally. it so much. It's so good. And it's all around. Big yeah. Time. And it's, it's, um, but yeah, like kind of like, especially I was thinking of it cause I'm in the throes of watching the morning show anyway. So while watching these why episodes, I was thinking of the morning show anyway. And yeah. then actually after this, I went upstairs and watched like a couple more episodes of the morning show with my household. And <laughs> it was like hard to not think about why while watching the morning show, um, because it's, like all of these kinds of things that we talk about many parallels many parallels with um gendered dynamics yep Excellent. so i recommend the morning show and a big shout out to my friend deshaun who is on the morning show and his performance is fantastic excellent deshaun well, thank you, Lisa. Uh, before we sign off then, where can each of our listeners find each of you? Kelly Sue? You can find me at Kelly Sue Says on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and I believe that's it. Excellent. Justin Peniston. I post a new page of my hard-boiled fantasy webcomic, Hunter Black, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at HunterBlackComics.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at HunterBlackComX. Philip Kelly. I am at Philip Creates on all social media, and I have added Kelly Sue to MySpace, um, so you can find it there as well. <laughs> Wonderful. Ew. <laughs> Lisa K. Weber. Um, you can find Hex 11, the comic that Kelly Sue and I make at hexcomics.com, and you can find my art and stuff um, on the social medias at Weber. Excellent. I am Claire Thorne. I am at Unexpected Hobby on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find my geeky cross-stitch patterns in my Etsy store, Unexpected Hobby. If you liked this conversation, be sure to like and subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon Podcasts, or wherever you shop for podcasts. New episodes of Why the Last Man release on FX on Hulu every Monday. New episodes of That Episode Was release every following Friday. We are also currently releasing new episodes of Murder Husbands, our episode-by-episode -episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal every Tuesday. So your week is taken care of with Popsicle. You're welcome. Hmm. Um, our previous series, Dream Journal, about Neil Gaiman's The Sandman comic series and Through the Ring, about the Expanse TV series on Amazon Prime are available through the Fanbase Weekly podcast at fanbasepress.com and all the regular podca podcast sources. 
follow at PopsiclePod on all social media sites and visit our website, popsiclepod.com for all of the Popsicle information. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter to get all the latest news and announcements. Remember, that's Popsicle spelled P-O-P-S-K-L. This has been a Popsicle production.